Welcome to Neither Here Nor There. It is said that in the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. From darkness came life. Every religion has stories of how we came to be. From nothing came something. It is there to soothe us, not knowing why any of this is the way that it is. Every morning I, I woke up to end the life of another man. I sharpened my bayonet. I made sure I'd eaten to stay strong. I was ready to return that something back to nothing. How many men do you need to see die before you're dead yourself? Explosions just feed away from your body, seeing what's left of the man who you'd learned to call friend over the years. That's how it was in the trenches. Hundreds, thousands of men dying at the hands of automatic artillery to reclaim yards, literal yards of soil, just to fly in a new batch to get turned to mist the next day. It was a day like any other. I can't remember the year I was out there. Time blurs when you sleep, knowing that it's probably the last time you're ever closing your eyes. We had covered a couple hundred feet over a few months. It was the rainy season, so we were into mud up to our knees day in and day out. Sixteen hours of standing there, praying it doesn't take your foot while you wait for the shelling to stop. You learn to stop making friends out here. Guys you grow up to like, uh, spending your downtime with after your watch ends, just go on to die like everyone else. You learn after a bit to treat them more like bodies than you do people. It's the only way to keep your mind held together. Somehow we kept getting more bodies to plug the gaps with. Young guys. A lot of them looked like they were hardly out of grade school. Training them how to clean a barrel, then telling them to storm the line. Don't get close to anyone out here. Growing up, I always idolize the folks who came back from war. They'd be covered in scars, they'd have this look in their eyes, but the people in our town would cheer them on. They were heroes, and I knew I'd do anything to be a hero like that. I wish I could go back and choke myself. It was a day like any other. Sorry, my mind is foggy still. You know what they did to us out there? 
I got bodies who said the sound of planes meant salvation. Get a crate delivered full of war toys or food? Not us. Not us. You'd hear the planes overhead. I'd rather someone shout the date that I die to my face than hear another plane drop payload overhead again. The canisters would hit the ground, and bellowing out of the hole would be this gas. This bright, yellow gas. It doesn't have the smell of anything at all, so there's no telling if you got any on you or in you. You pull your mask down and pray that you breathed out enough as you watch someone you've known for months writhe on the ground before passing on. We'd grown used to them throwing gas as soon as new planes had dropped off fresh meat. We only had so many masks and oxygen tanks, and they knew it. The theory was that we outnumbered them three to one, but they had superior air support and chemicals to cut down the numbers when we were about to rush. It was this for months. It became almost routine until the day they rushed us. None of us saw it coming. They'd built these elaborate shelters for housing their automatic weapons. They were impenetrable. We could only overwhelm them with numbers. We never thought the day would come when they rushed us back. We retreated. Back. Fast. We didn't care where to. We just needed out. There weren't many places to go. The battlefield had been dug on this clearing of land, this weirdly flat bit in between two dense forests and a massive mound of stone. My battalion all ran for cover behind it, gas masks on, holding our guns, knowing that it was probably the end for us. But there was a shift in the wind. Good fortune, God Almighty, whoever you want to thank, the wind shifted. Softly at first, then more violently. It was like an upheaval of the chlorine gas that was making it to our hideaway. We were giving them shit the whole time they ran back, calling them cowards. Other words that don't translate well. We were saved that day. I don't know how, but we were. It was later that night. We managed to pack up everything we scrapped together and headed back down to our trenches. Fuckers broke just about everything they could on the way back, but didn't scalp anything. It all felt too good to be true. You can't fuck with chlorine. Your mask, if it's connected to an oxygen tank, won't save you if there isn't a good enough seal around your face. And if their situation's anything like ours... The one on their face is probably off a dead man twice their size, too. We didn't try to think too much about the residual stuff that could still be floating in our area. We were just happy to still be alive. We made sure to keep a lookout that night. We had a few privateers that would sound alarms to get us to wake up right at the crack of dawn, and they stayed up on these high box towers. Usually there would be just one guy up there, 
but we made sure to keep it staffed and rotated the guys out as their eyes got tired. It was the next morning. All of us felt way more rested than normal. No one had a watch on them. We had no clue what time of the day it was because overhead, a fog had rolled in. We panicked. Why hadn't the lookout woken us up? We all scraped together everything we could to get our gun set up, but we figured it'd been too late to do that. So we locked down, ready to defend against whatever it was that was coming our way. Then an hour passed. And another hour passed. It was like the other army had evacuated. It was dead silent everywhere that I could put my ear to. All except for off in the distance, a Gatling gun constantly firing off down into our trenches. It was like he refused to stop shooting to reload, or even let the gun cool off. He was acting like a man possessed. I couldn't care myself. That was the job of whatever battalion had managed to work its way down to the reinforced line, and I'm not going to stop the others from wasting all their ammo. I figured we'd just have to wait him out. It had to have been another hour. I could hear that gun drumming off in the distance. But it was like every single one of us couldn't be bothered by it. We even dropped our guns and started doing stuff like playing cards. It was the first break we'd had in months. The guys had been messing around, telling stories about enemies they'd killed, when something caught my eye. This fog was denser than normal. Normal fog, your regular, thick, wet rollout, usually clears out after the first hour or two of sunlight. But this just lingered, and the closer I looked at it, the more unnatural it felt. I reached my hand out, just enough to touch it, but it did something to my finger. It made this searing sound, like putting meat on a hot pan. Fuck! I recoiled back in pain when I saw it. It was like the fog has rotted my hand. I sat there in horror, looking at what I'd just done to my body, when I saw... I saw my partner. I went up. Stuck his head into the fog. And and came back. He went up. Fully necrotized. Dead. And then I went... Everyone grabbed their gas masks. We all suited up. All it needed was bare skin to come in contact with it, and it rotted you away. Almost like time accelerated on anything that entered it. We fought. Half the men wanted to stay back. The other half wanted to charge while the enemy was coping with it too. I was somewhere in the middle. We settled on a plan. Those who wanted to attack followed me. Others who wanted to stay back had to clean their weapons and restock. And off we went. You never really fathom the weight of death in the trenches until you wallow in the other lines. Young men, easily teenagers, with their heads split open or their bodies burnt to a crisp. The massive loss of life around you being so real, just to be turned to a statistic back home best to keep your eyes straight and pretend they're props. We made our way through several lines, 
stepping over bodies that have long been rotting, realizing just how much closer we've gotten to the Gatling gun that's been constantly firing since this morning. We decided to hold up for a bit and start strategizing. We knew full well we couldn't just charge it. We'd seen what these had done to our men. Waves of our people turned to mist, just to stop temporarily to reload, then start shooting again. We decided on the only thing we could do given our resources. Those who had mass would rush up to the front, through the fog, while the rest of us carved a hole through the wall and made our way behind enemy lines. When it's someone you don't know, it can feel like seconds. But when it's men you've spent months with, it feels like hours. The gun hammered on above as we picked away at the walls with our shovels and axes. We'd finally broken through and looked just around the ridge and saw the gun, still shooting, with no end in sight. They were gone. We tried to clear our minds and push through when we all decided that the best course of action was to take out as many as we could before sniping the man on the Gatling gun. So we waded our way through their dead and injured and found something almost identical to our side. An army made entirely of the young, both hands in the air, surrendering, awestruck by the fog above them. Around them were several bodies of men who had stuck their heads out of the trenches and met a similar fate to the corporal just a few hours ago on our side. They were unarmed. None of them wanted to die. They all started to throw their guns into the fog, almost like an offering, begging us to let them live. I told my men they needed to make this decision for themselves, because I had only one thing on my mind, and that was stopping the Gatling gun. So I broke off, alone, marching my way forwards. The further I'd plunged into the trenches, the more of me that was stripped away. I felt like a man without a country, seeing all these young men there, dead over a territorial dispute. Then I felt like a man without a family. Then finally, a man without humanity. Slowly, placing one boot on each dead body that littered the walkways of these trenches until I was just underneath the base of the absolutely massive Gatling gun, manned by one soldier, constantly hammering on. I aimed my shot. I lined it up squarely with the bottom of his neck. It would enter just beneath the jaw and leave just above the eye socket. I took aim. I fired. I saw his helmet recoil. I knew I'd just hit him, but the fucker just kept shooting. He was relentless. So I aimed again, this time for his chest. I took aim, and this time I knew it hit. I saw the back left corner of his ribcage collapse, but he kept shooting. He never let up. I don't know what came over me. I ran up to him, my boot knife in my hand. I'd never felt more ready to die than that moment. I stabbed him right where I shot him. This is for Eddie. This is for Mark. This is for David. This is for Nick. You fucking piece of shit. 
but he kept shooting. I grabbed his head to spin it, and his neck turned a perfect 180 degrees. He'd been dead. This whole time, he'd been dead. The necrotizing gas. He wasn't wearing a mask. It must have caught his head. By the time he'd experienced brain death, his body had begun to bloat to the point that his finger pinned the trigger down. I did what I needed to do to get the shooting to stop. I looked out to see where he'd been shooting, to see if my men had had a chance to make it out, and none were hit. They were rotted, on the hill, trying to run their way up to stop him. I didn't feel anything. I felt at the mercy of something so much greater than me. The weight of the knowledge of a weapon this deadly, it... It broke me. I hit the ground and I sobbed. I can't tell you the last time I'd cried. It may have been when I was shipping off. It may have been after my mom yelled at me. Who knows? But I stayed there. Crumbled up on the floor. Sobbing. I don't know how long I'd been there. Minutes? Hours? However long it had been, the fog finally parted. And just like that, it was a day like any other. You could hear the birds off in the distance in the trees. For the first time in months, I heard silence. Then, it came the realization of just what that meant. I didn't try to recover anyone. I didn't try to identify any of the bodies. I didn't try to estimate how many were still missing. I grabbed my mask, fastened it to my face, and marched out into the woods, back towards camp. As I was passing our side of the trenches, I'd seen the hill we'd taken shelter behind when they charged us, but strangely, all the bullet holes were gone. They shot that side of the hill. I know it. It was almost like the holes had filled themselves. I made nothing of it until I got back to camp. I let the other commanding officers know what happened and that a gas is still out there on the battlefield that killed everyone. They believed me. I mean, why wouldn't they? I was discharged after that. Medics said I'd gotten a look in my eyes they'd never seen before. One even joked about how I looked like I thought he was a ghost. I probably did. Time hadn't felt real since I saw what I saw. I started looking through people. I started imagining clocks above everyone's heads. The older folks with very little time left, and, and everyone my age with a clock that read the same exact time. Ticking one second by another. I hadn't been able to sleep after that. I moved out of my parents' place. Something didn't feel right, and I didn't want to tangle them up in this. I found a shitty small house to rent. That's where I stayed. Reading over my books on chemical warfare. They'd been experimenting with phosgene, a choking agent. A chemical that restricts the airflow to your lungs. They'd messed with chlorine too. A silent, odorless killer. 
but these gases, when combined, were yellow. A distinct color to symbolize just how badly your skin was about to be burned, but nowhere, nowhere had anything written about a necrotizing agent. I'd been losing my mind. I started to visit chemists and tell them what I'd seen out on the battlefield. I guess it was the way I looked. They were scared. Anytime I spoke, each of them would stare into my eyes and never look away. They'd just slowly back up, collecting their things, but they would never look away from my eyes. After a while, you give up on relying on academia. No one would listen to me. I was treated as an insane person, someone who claimed they'd seen into the gates of hell. So I abandoned academia and started talking to the insane. These people had claimed to be students of the arcane, people who knew the teachings of old dead gods and spoke languages that no man alive had ever lived to hear from the source. I'd started meeting with them pretty regularly, listening to their stories about vengeful gods who'd been awake for centuries, torturing the bodies of men and women as some kind of sport. One of them had claimed that they'd seen someone lift into the air before being snapped in half like a tree branch, then slowly returned to the ground where they'd become ash. I mean, it sounds like the ramblings of an insane person, right? But after what I'd seen, I believed them. Gods that lurk deep within our oceans, poisoning our water and food. I believed them. I'd shown up to these gatherings, these reading groups, I'm not sure what to call them, for a few meetings without speaking. Each week, someone new would show up, with another story, a paranormal possession, a body dissolving right in front of them, skin tearing to reveal a man-sized insect that lived inside them. I heard it all, and I believed them. It wasn't until one day that I was called on and asked to share my story. What have you seen? N no, sorry. I... I do this mostly for comfort. I'm, I'm a veteran. I didn't ask you for your medals. I asked you what you've seen. I've... I've seen a lot. I've seen many men die. I've seen like a broken faucet. Once I opened, I couldn't be closed. Until this point, I hadn't thought much about my time at war. I kept it bottled up, never revisiting it. You can only see so many people die before you find yourself wanting to join them. I told them everything. The battalion name, our strategy, the sudden charge, the retreat, the hiding behind the hill, then the sudden onset of the fog. And the room fell silent. No one wanted to speak. Pure terror washed over the face of every person there. I wanted to apologize. I told them that I could go on about what this fog did to my close friends. Then I was cut off. On Nazael. On Nazael? I don't know how to explain just how grave of a situation this is to you. Do you know An Nazael? No. I've grown up a biblical man. I... In your terms, 
Before there was light, what was there? Well, from darkness came light. And what lurked in the darkness? Nothing. Nothing, right? There are gods older than you can fathom that lurked in the shadows, hunting each other, that were banished as light suddenly illuminated their world. You know, I've read about an Anazael, long believed to have been gone and dead, banished because of the cleansing power of light. But no, he wouldn't be gone. Of course he wouldn't. He was resting. I... I don't understand what you mean. Anazael was a trickster god, but a vengeful one. Stories have been passed down about what he's done to loves that left him, and every one of them died sudden, painful deaths. That gas you talked about? Those war toys? You have no idea what you'd encountered. Scientists scraped my clothes after I let them know what I'd encountered. They wanted to weaponize whatever had been dropped on us to a major city center, and... That reality may come to fruition much sooner than you'd expect. This gas? You weren't exposed to a chemical. You were exposed to him. The vestigial appendages of a god in his slumber. Everyone who'd come in contact with him were quickly aged to the point of unbecoming. But why would he spare me? I don't understand. I led those men to their deaths. He's known to be a trickster god. And every stunt needs someone to live to tell the story. You've ruined us. All of this. Everything we have could be in danger over... What? A couple hundred yards of land? There's no escaping his grasp. Anazael will take whatever he wants, whenever he wants. The best we can do is let him rest until then. Do you understand? I understood. I reported back months later, letting other commanding officers know that the place had been laid with so many mines that it would be unsafe to even scavenge the area. The site, due to extreme chemical exposure, as they called it, was deemed unsafe to travel through. The area is fenced off and is now heavily guarded. In the center of all this lays an old tomb, a mass of stones arranged into a pile, which I truly believe to be the once final resting place of An Nazael. It is imperative that you keep this rumor going. If anyone asks you why can't you hop the fence to go explore, tell them about the mines. Tell them about the gas that has a half-life of thousands of years. Tell them that it's sacred land being reclaimed, but never let anyone know about the mound of stone in the middle of that field. Anazael is awake. He's just waiting. And if you want to live as long as I have, we will leave him alone. It is said that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, and that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. 
What was it that lurked in the darkness? Why was God so adamant to banish it to the light? And when he returns, does he know that they've planned their revenge? He did say we were built in his image, after all. Neither Here Nor There is a bi-weekly horror joint writing and audio production project. The music for this show is provided by Cryo Chamber. A link to their band camp is in the description. <laughs>